Well, hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, December 29th of 2020. Uh, so glad to be with you along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. As always, it is a joy for us to go before you, uh, the people, and we thank you. And we are honored that you would take out of your time to study the Word of God with us, to glean from the Word. And um, these are exciting times, especially if you're the children of God. You understand that uh, prophecy is being fulfilled, but we await. Amen for the greatest event, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ, and and that is our hope. That's how we purify ourselves in the middle of all of this darkness and chaos that is happening. Yet the people of God have a blessed hope, a hope that cannot be shaken. Amen. That cannot be moved, because His word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but His word shall remain. So we are excited. As we are moving into 2021, we're literally at the doorsteps, inches away from entering another dimension, from entering another time of history. What we believe is uh, the beginning, perhaps, of the end of time. We are heading into the last frontier. So everything that we are discussing uh, has to do with what God is saying and with with prophecy. And we are looking... Uh, at prophecy in a manner that perhaps most of us have never probably considered. I believe for many years the question of the day has been, <laughs> is America in the Word of God, right? <laughs> and most theologians and, and, and most people probably uh, will lean to say that it's not. But as we are seeing and studying and laying a case before you, Perhaps we are seeing that all along it has been in the Word of God. And whether you choose to believe that or not, I tell you that if, if we are, if what we're saying to you is true, then then those that don't believe, then you're, you're not getting a picture. You're missing out on what God is saying in this hour. But we pray. We pray that God will continue uh, to deal with all of us and let us consider these things as we go into the Word of God. So let's get into the Word of God. We are excited and uh, about today's study of the Word. So I'm going to leave it to Brother Marty uh, to share what God has placed in your heart as we continue to study the Word of God together. Well, praise God. It's good to be here on the 29th day of December 2020. We're going to get right into our Word today. Yesterday, you probably heard some things uh, that challenged a little bit of uh what you've thought concerning Bible prophecy to this point. And again, as we continue to reiterate, we are simply sharing with you from many aspects, many thoughts, many different scenarios, but always out of the word of God, we endeavor to lay our case before you. And uh, we we come to these podcasts uh, very much uh, with much prayer uh, laid as a foundation and uh, and much study and reflection and uh, seeking answers from the Spirit of God. He is the teacher. He's the comforter. He's the corrector, the reprover, the counselor. He is the one that reveals to us all things that pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And as the Lord told us, he is the one that reveals to us that which is yet to come. Also, we know, as the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit 
of prophecy. And we know that all scripture has been given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he moved upon the men, the prophets, the holy apostles of old, and Moses himself, really. But he is the writer of the word, and, and it's, it's the reason that we seek him, in order that we might know and understand the day, the hour, and the age in which we're living. And so today we're going to go into something that is really, <laughs> that is really uh, going to be <clears throat> quite challenging for a lot of you out there. But I hope that uh, when it's all said and done, uh, it will at least, if anything, uh, prompt you and stir you uh, to search the scriptures and to consider whether these things be so. And so today we're going to be talking about the lion, the man, and Trump 2020. The lion, the man, and Trump 2020. Let's get into it today. If you have your Bibles, we're coming to you once again from Daniel, the prophet Daniel, the great servant of the Most High God, chapter 7, and we're going to read verse 1 through 4 as we enter in to the lion, the man, and Trump 2020. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Jeremy? Amen. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Praise God. And a man's heart was given to it. If you're just joining us today, we encourage you to go back to yesterday's podcast, December the 28th, as we began this study, revisiting it and looking at it in a much deeper way. And so we're picking it up today, and and we really feel led to continue to explore verse 4, where it speaks of uh, the first beast that Daniel saw rising up out of the sea. One of the first things that we need to understand, again, is that what Daniel is witnessing is the end-time event. And as you go through chapter 7, what you'll find is that it's really culminating and explaining to us um, the coming of the wicked one, the one that's predicted to arise in the end of time, the one that becomes what the Bible calls the son of perdition, the wicked one, the Antichrist. That's what this whole chapter is about. But then it culminates with the return of the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man and the kingdom and the dominion being given to him and to the saints of the Most High God. So what Daniel is actually being having revealed here is how this wicked one uh, is, is going to emerge and, and how it is also a signal to the children of God at the time, which we believe is our time, uh, that, that the Lord is at hand. There are things that are ahead. There were things that were being predicted here that would precede his rising. And the various symbolism that he gave us in the rising of 
of what he calls four beasts or four kingdoms. One of the most important things that we need to do when we're reflecting on these things is to understand that they're all working in conjunction. It is not to be viewed in the way that that you have one kingdom and then, then another kingdom, then another kingdom, finally a fourth and final kingdom. It has to be viewed as as all of these kingdoms working together to bring about that final beast system. But they will be uh, moving and fulfilling their their quality of personality as they express themselves. Their ancient spirits that in the ancient time uh, of Daniel's time and, and the subsequent centuries that, that led up to the ultimate you know, birth of the Messiah, Calvary and the resurrection, so forth and so on, that history as it pertained to the ancient uh, global world of that time uh, indeed took place in the form of Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, Alexander the Great, the Roman Empire, so forth and so on. But what Daniel is seeing is specifically dealing with the rise of, of the spirit of these kingdoms in the end of time emerging out of the history of the world at the end of time and and seemingly working together to bring about an ultimate end which in 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 this case is the culmination of what the enemy has been trying to do since the garden of eden what that is specifically is to take the form of a human being to become the god man to really, in many ways, usurp, which is what he was trying to do, uh, the original prophecy that was given to Eve and Adam in the garden. Let's take a look at that original prophecy real quick in Genesis chapter 3. Brother Jeremy, could you turn over there and read that to us? Yes. Adam and Eve fall uh, as a result of the serpent beguiling the woman, the Bible says, and that both her and her husband uh, ate from the forbidden fruit, and as a result of that, plunged the entirety of humanity and uh, the the earth domain, if you will, uh, into into a a place of 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 death and destruction. Peter calls it an inheritance that was defiled, corrupted, and decaying. But immediately, what we have in the garden story is that God moves in. And, and begins to put things in order. And right from the beginning, he gives this prophecy of, 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 of the coming of the Messiah. And he directs it toward the serpent, Satan himself. And this is what he tells him in verse 14 and 15. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? God is addressing the serpent. And this is what he tells him. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon the belly, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So from the very beginning of the garden story, what we have here is a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah in verse 15, where he tells the serpent that a seed will emerge from the woman, 
right even off the bat there, God is predicting something that I know the enemy didn't understand because he addresses the seed as the seed of the woman. We know biology, <laughs> you know, the seed comes from the man. And so the fact that God identifies the seed as coming from the woman indicated that in the future, a woman would bring forth seed uh, completely and, and separate from the man. So even there, he was, he was prophesying the coming of the virgin birth, which indeed happened with Mary. Jesus was the seed of Mary, born according to the flesh of King David, but of heaven himself. It was the Holy Spirit who overshadowed her, and she became impregnated with the only begotten son of the living God. So Satan hears this prophecy, and the Lord even here predicts a seed that would come from the serpent. He calls it your seed and her seed. And in speaking of the Messiah, he says that the Messiah was going to bruise the head of the serpent. So literally what he was telling him was this seed that will emerge is going to destroy your head or literally take away all your authority. You will bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. So right from the garden story, we see the prediction of the coming of the Messiah. Now, the enemy has never really known who this is until Jesus, of course. But even when we see the enemy in the 40 uh, days and 40 nights of the trial of the Son of God in the wilderness, when the devil came to him, he asked him that question. He asked Jesus the question. And, and and said, if you're the son of God, are you really the son of God? Because if you are, do this, turn these stones into bread, or throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, so forth and so on. So he's never really known the true identity, but he tried in many ways to get uh, him to, uh, to to identify himself through the ages. And, and what ended up happening was that Eve, the Bible tells us in chapter 4 of Genesis, she brings forth a man. In verse four, uh, uh, chapter four, verse one and two. Can you read that, brother Jeremy? Um, four. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Immediately, the gospel, uh, the, the the gospel story of the Bible tells us and draws our attention to two, two, two individuals that were born, and we see how the devil instantly moves through Cain, and 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 we know the story how Cain killed his brother. He became an aggressive uh, destroyer of Abel, and really, what was the attempt there was the enemy influencing and moving upon him in his own mind to destroy. Uh, the Holy Seed, and 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 subsequently, uh, by doing so, uh, basically breaking the Word of God and preventing the destruction of His authority, His head, by that promised seed, and so begins the story. And subsequently, down through the ages, we have seen the attempts of the enemy to do the very same thing, and that is to bring about a ruler a dominator of the planet. And the Bible has predicted that that one would come uh, and would be given basically briefly for a short time dominion over the planet. It will ultimately culminate with the coming of the Lord. 
But again, like we're seeing here as we go back to Daniel 7, what we are seeing here is Daniel is being given a vision. And the flashpoint of that vision is the first year of Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. It became the trigger point that alerted Daniel that there was predictably a four-year period as the administration <laughs> uh, transitioned in the Babylonian kingdom to its final king. And its final king would be given and be apportioned a four-year period before the rise of the Medo-Persian Empire and the overthrowing of the capital city and basically the, the, the assassination of King Belshazzar. But that's for another day to look at from that perspective. But what we're talking about here is that the flow of chapter 7 is all about that wicked one, that Antichrist. And that is what we see here. Now, one thing that we need to understand is the vision, the dream that Daniel had, like we said, it is for the end time. And so with that in mind, what we want to look at today in verse 4 is this first beast, because it sets the tone. And as we dig into it, what we're going to see and what we're going to understand is why it, it, is, it has always been, like in Genesis, the initiation of the lion to bring about a man, a man that he could literally inhabit and, 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 and literally call his seed. Now, Satan is the lion. Now, <laughs> one of the things that we need to consider first and foremost is how we interpret this dream. Because the lion represents the devil. And so the reason that this beast in the end of time is put forth and the lion is the first identifying characteristic of it is that the Spirit of God through his great prophet Daniel is alerting us to the fact that what is driving what is about to unfold in the balance of the chapter, which gives rise to a super global state headed by one individual person, that this has been the moving of the spirit of the wicked one himself. Brother Jeremy, could you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 for us, please, real quick? 1 Peter yes. chapter 5, verse 8. And look at, look at why we call this lion actually the devil himself. Take a look at this in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Amen. So here we have him identified as a lion, but not just a lion, but a roaring lion. And so it is that symbol of the lion that we can now say it is, in the context in which we're looking at it, Satan himself. Let's go back and look then from that perspective, and it'll give us some incredible insight if we identify this lion as the devil himself, Peter calls him the roaring lion. Uh, and, and that is why he sees him first in verse four, rising out of the sea. This is a satanic act. This is the roaring lion. It is the symbol of Satan. Now, in that context, in view of what Daniel was telling us, which also reveals the end time like we were talking about, what we are seeing in what Daniel calls the first beast is the spirit of Satan, the lion. Now, understand this, what the enemy, I mean, really what we must understand, <laughs> because the scripture is revealing it, what the enemy has sought to do, like we were just talking about, is to bring forth a son 
of his own. We call him the son of perdition, the, the antichrist, the, the, the wicked one. And like we said, he's attempted to do this from the beginning. And like we said, we first see this in Cain. He's the one who moves against the keeper of the sheep. It's a foreshadow of what the book of Revelation says the Antichrist will do. Cain is a type of that Antichrist. He moves against the keeper of the sheep. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 5, we're told of the Antichrist that he goes forth to make war with the saints. He tries to, to destroy the church. And he will even, in Revelation chapter 19, fight against the coming of the Lord. As the Lord returns, there's a great battle that's predicted there. So, the symbol of the lion emerged really throughout the ages as as being the symbol that has guided all global empires. Many people don't realize it, but but that's why you see the lion down through history. But let's see where it first appears, because where it first appeared uh, is is in Genesis chapter ten. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Genesis ten, verse eight? Through 10, Genesis 10, verse 8 through 10. And we're going to see something here. Very interesting to me. <laughs> and Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Eric in Akkad, in Kalneh, in the land of Shinar. In the land of Shinar. So this Nimrod is a, is a foreshadow of the Antichrist. We encourage you to go back earlier in our podcast in the year. I forget what month it was. But we did a series called Nimrod and the, and the, Sil- and the Silicon Valley Connection, which is very germane to what we're talking about today to get deeper information on what we're talking about. But Nimrod is, is one. Uh, that arose in the very territory where Daniel has the vision. It's the earliest and the oldest kingdom. I want to point some things out to you about Nimrod. First of all, he's an antichrist foreshadow right from the beginning. And what did he attempt to do? He attempted to coalesce the whole world into a global state with him as its leader. The location was Babel in the plains of Shinar. Babel would ultimately become uh, what what we call Babylon. And it's not without note that the Babylonian symbol emerged and became a lion. The oldest symbol of Babel is the lion. And the one who led the original Babel is Nimrod, a foreshadow of the son of the lion. There's an interesting thing here I was studying uh, concerning Nimrod. He walked around wearing a a headdress from a lion. So in other words, he had a lion's pelt, and then he like hollowed it out, but he kept the head. And you can research all this. It's not no state secret. It's easy to find if you take the time to really dig. He used to wear a lion's head. So you had the merging of a lion and a man. That was his symbol. And he wore that and and walked around like that. You know what's interesting, brothers, is that Alexander the Great, uh, who who uh, knew of Nimrod, Alexander himself, it is said, wore a lion's pelt into battle. And when he would sit on his throne, he was always clothed with the pelt of a lion. 
what's interesting about it is that if you go into into Greek history at the time of the Greek Empire, you'll find that in their legends, um, they 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 took the legend of Nimrod that they had basically venerated, Alexander did, which is why he identified himself with that Nimrod, Alexander, a type and a foreshadow as well of the Antichrist. In their in their teachings, they used to have they used to call Nimrod Hercules. Hercules. That's where we get that name Hercules from. And and it and it came down. Uh, they also called him Alcaeus. So he was known by both names in Greek culture. But when they portray him in the in the ancient pottery and paintings of uh, of, of of the Greek Empire uh, during Alexander the Great, uh, they have him just like Nimrod wearing the headdress of the lion, the man lion. And that is why. Uh, uh, Alexander would wear himself that lion's pelt, another foreshadow of the Antichrist. So we see how the lion, that is the devil, has always sought to have a man. And it's interesting when those men, these men of lore, these ancient uh, foreshadows of the Antichrist um, in, in their time, because like Brother Fernando pointed out yesterday, John told us there were, there's been many Antichrists. But what the Bible tells us is that we're headed to one in particular individual that will finally make the transition. He won't just be a being that is influenced by the spirit of Antichrist. He's literally going to be allowed to be taken complete and total possession of and indeed become the son of the devil. Now, Nimrod, Hercules, if you will, uh, he began his, his serpent mankind exalting rebellion, if you will, by nullifying the noatic commandment what are you talking about it is said in the ancient writings and amongst the scholars that when nimrod who was on the other side of the flood uh he, he sought to move the world to fight against what father noah had brought on the other side of the flood what god had commanded noah which was to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the entire planet the earth, in other words, go and break us, break apart into nation states and, and fulfill the destiny. But what Nimrod did was he moved to nullify that. He came against the commandment of God, and he sought to rebel against the Lord himself, to rule the whole world. That's what the whole story about the building of the Tower of Babel is in the plains of Shinar. And, it, and, and, and so what he did was he 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 brought all the people around him, remember, and God had to come down and, and destroy his tower and scatter the nations. It is a foreshadow of the second coming of the Lord. For the same thing is predicted, that at the end of time, the world will coalesce under one single global nation state. It will just be one global empire, and it will be headed by one particular individual, as has been the attempt of the of the devil since the time of Nimrod, whether it was Cain in the in, in the garden story, or whether it's Nimrod right after the flood, or whether it's Pharaoh of Egypt, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, uh, Darius of the Persians and the Medes, Alexander of the Greek empires, uh, Sennacherib of the Assyrians, or or the or the host of the twelve Caesars that ruled Rome, or down through the centuries, whether it's a Napoleon. Or, or a Genghis Khan, you know, or a Hannibal, or, or an Adolf Hitler in the 20th century. It's always been being attempted at, at the global state level. 
But what's being predicted in Daniel's vision is it's finally going to happen. So let's take a look at this again. Brother Jeremy, could you turn over to Daniel chapter 7 again so so we can consider what we see now from, from what we've been talking about to this point? Could you read that again? Yes. Chapter 7, verse 1. <clears throat> verse 4. Verse four. Mm-hmm. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Amen. So here's what we see happening then. The spirit of the lion, the roaring lion, which is the spirit of Satan, emerges in this vision of Daniel. And and what we see and what we are told is that we, we have this lion that has upon it, or the spirit of Satan now has upon him the wings of an eagle. And the spirit of the lion allows the wings of of the eagle to be upon itself until the time of the eagle is over. This is the working of Satan. This is what Paul said would happen, that the wicked one that is predicted to come would come after the working of Satan. And the lion that we talked to you about is that spirit of the devil. He has been identified with every great global state before this final attempt to rule the world. Nimrod wore the headdress of a lion. Alexander the Great wore the pelt of a lion. Uh, The symbol of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon was the lion. The Medo-Persians also adopted the lion. The, the Assyrians and <laughs> uh, adopted the lion. The, uh, the Romans, what most people don't know, was that the capital city of municipal Rome, uh, the symbol, the most ancient symbol of Rome, was the lion. And then as you go down through the ages, there was another moving of the lion or the spirit of the lion and the shield of the lion coming to rest in the nation of Great Britain which made its way across the sea. And out of that coming across the sea, the spirit of the lion came to rest in a territory that would now suddenly, when it reached its fullness, would be made up of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. But now, instead of just simply being a lion of Great Britain, it, what would emerge would be a lion and an eagle combination, because that is the symbol of the United States. But what is possibly being shown to us here is that the spirit of the lion uh, would would use the eagle as a means to bring about what Brother Jeremy just said. Once the eagle's wings have reached its its uh, usefulness, if you will, for the spirit of the lion, which is the Satan himself, once those wings are plucked, suddenly what we're told in verse 4 is he's now made to come up from the earth stand upon his feet, and a man's heart is given to it. It's as if what we are being told by Daniel is the movement of the lion throughout the ages and the subsequent uh, global empires from ancient times moving up to the greatest global state. It's been propelled by the spirit of the roaring lion, Satan himself. When it comes to the time of the end where the the man's heart is going to be given to this morphed lion, he's going to stand on his feet. He will finally reach that point 
where the Lord will allow him to become not just a type of antichrist or many of uh, or one of many, but the seed that was prophesied in the Garden of Eden. This is the working of Satan. So we see the working of Satan, and what follows is that the lion is made to stand up on its feet like a man, and a man's heart is given to it, verse 4. As we discussed yesterday, Jeremiah revealed to us that the heart of the man is desperately wicked. So what's being revealed to us there is not only will the lion now take the shape and the form of a man, the wicked heart is given to it. It's, it's, it's preparatory and announcing to us that the stage is being set. But the plucking of the eagle's wings has to take place. And I think that's what we're witnessing in 2020, is that the plucking of the eagle's wings has occurred, the eagle's wings being symbolic of the United States of America. The United States of America quite possibly has been a means to an end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. and that, means, that means to an end, the end being the standing up of the man with the desperately wicked heart. Now, you guys jump in at any time here. What I'm about to share with you, go ahead, brother. I just wanted to say, I think it's very powerful what you're bringing out, how throughout history, and even in the word of God, uh, Satan has always tried to bear, right, a son, right? We saw it uh, Cain and, 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 and you somebody. And then you said uh, you're speaking about the lion symbol throughout the history of these great warriors that yeah. has been lurking. And and that makes us understand what you just said, what we read in verse 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And then it says here, I beheld till. And as you said, uh, until an appointed time, right? These wings were That's on good. this lion and beheld. Is it possible? that in that vision, God allowed Daniel to see history up to this point, right? Amen. Taking him, because yes. that's what the Bible says, I beheld, he examined, he perceived. It's possible yes. God had showed him everything that had happened before, even all the way up to Nimrod and all of that, to see what had happened, and then took him to the place into the future, where now the time had come. That's what till means, until the time, until the appointed time the wings thereof were plucked. And it's interesting that all of this in making the connection that we're making with the United States of America, that what you just said was powerful, uh, bringing about uh, the end of time of what Daniel actually saw at the end. Just yeah, that's a really, out. really powerful point there. And it's, it's very much uh, the case where you said of Daniel that, uh, you quoted correctly there. He said, I beheld until. That That is exactly right, Brother Jeremy. What, what, what Daniel was being allowed to see was all the way into the future. And like you just pointed out, the, the eagle's wings being a type of the United States is a means to an end. It is the culmination of all the great world empires leading up to the United States of America. But it is the working of the lion. It is the working of Satan. He brought it into the far-flung future, and that's what Daniel saw, exactly what you're saying. And he beheld until that great eagle-like nation had its wings plucked in order to give way for for that lion to morph into a, a one that stands on his feet like a man 
and is now given the heart of a man. It's as if when we reach that point, what Daniel's saying is that the culmination of the attempts of the of the wicked one throughout the ages will now be realized when you see the plucking of the eagle's wings or the diminishing, quite possibly, in, in what we're talking about, of this, this United States of America, whose shield is the eagle and her spread wings, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, excellent point. So now what I'm about to share with you is where the trail has led me. Am I 100% sure about what I'm about to tell you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but what I will say is uh, it's at least something that we better be paying attention to. Now, listen to this and listen closely, please. The identification of the Antichrist, both of the Jewish rabbis and, and the ancient scholars amongst the Jews and the early church, first and second century uh, church fathers, they always associated the Antichrist with the tribe of Dan, of, of, of someone that would emerge from the tribe of Dan. Now, the early church fathers believed this because when John the Apostle gives the uh, 12 tribe of Israel list with the 12,000 uh, selected from each one of those tribes, I believe it's Revelation 14. When you go down the list of those 12 tribes in Revelation 14, you'll find that the tribe of Dan is missing. He's not included. And so the early church fathers speculated that the reason that the tribe of Dan was excluded from the 12 tribes of Israel listed in Revelation 14 is precisely because the wicked one, the Antichrist, was going to emerge from that tribe. And so that tribe has no part in the blessing in the world to come. So they say, both Jewish rabbis and the church fathers say that the, that, that wicked one, that, that predicted evil one, is going to come out of the tribe of Dan. And here's why the rabbis say it. Brother Jeremy, could you read over there in Genesis chapter 49, verse 16, uh, what the patriarch Jacob said about his son, Dan? Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Verse 17, uh, 16, 16 and, and 17. Yes, 17. I'm sorry. Okay. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that, that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. And then he says this in verse 18. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. So what the rabbis say here is 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 in verse 17 is Jacob the patriarch is describing the tribe of Dan and Dan himself uh by saying he's going to be like a serpent he's going to be like an adder and 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 he was saying that he was prophesying like Jacob told us that this prophecy was for the end of time isn't that what he says in verse 1 could you read that brother Jeremy Yes in verse 1 it says, and it came to pass, from verse 1 of, of 49, right? Yes, sir. Oh, here we go. And Jacob called unto his sons 
and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall, which shall befall you in the last day. Yes. So when we get to Dan, we're we're hearing from the from the, the father Jacob exactly what Dan will be characterized in the last days. He's a serpent. He's a poisonous serpent in the past. And then verse eighteen, he concludes his prophecy over Dan by connecting it with salvation from the Lord. And so the two are connected. In the end, a serpent like uh, Dan descendant will arise he's poisonous he's considered like the serpent but at the same time when that happens he he concludes by saying i've waited for your salvation O lord which means that the coming of the lord will happen precisely in the same time that we see the rise of this dan uh (laughs) like creature that's going to emerge in the last days. now listen that's what the rabbis say it's jacob's prophecy of the serpent So the serpent was attached to the tribe of Dan. And the identification of the Antichrist, both with the early church fathers and with the Jewish rabbis, is that this wicked one will come from from the Danites, from the tribe of Dan. Uh, The early church fathers, like Origen and and Hippolytus, I was refreshing myself again this morning, they both said the same thing. He's going to come from Dan. Now what's interesting about that is that Biblical scholars tell us that when Israel was scattered, that is the ten tribes, now listen to this, the tribe of Dan made its way into what we call today uh, Europe, right, Western Europe, and it became the Germanic peoples, this was the original title, of the Holy Roman Empire, the expansion of the Holy Roman Empire went in there, and that the Germanic peoples of the Holy Roman Empire are in fact the the descendants of the ancient tribe of Dan, the Germans. That's why the early scholars in the early 20th century, when Hitler rose up, they thought he was the Antichrist, and indeed he was a foreshadow. He was another one of the Antichrists, like Brother Fernando was talking about yesterday. He came from the German people, and so there was, I got books in my library, really old ones, that, that that's what they were thinking. They thought Mussolini was the uh, was the false prophet because he came from Rome, right? And 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 the light that they understood at the time, but but again, they identified Hitler because he came from the German people as being uh, that Danite, because the German people are the descendants of the tribe of Dan, according to many scholars now. Now, note, <laughs> Dan again, we're told in rabbinic writings, he didn't like the symbol of the serpent. And so he changed, listen to me, he changed his symbol when they marched out to battle from the serpent to the eagle. He changed his banner when they marched into war from the serpent to the eagle eagle because he knew the connotations of the serpent. He didn't like the serpent as his shield. And so he changed it to the eagle. But more on that later. But remember it. So in seeking understanding of who the Antichrist is, and like we said, understand this, like Brother Fernando said the other day, and he rightly quoted from the Apostle John, who told us that there's many Antichrists throughout the ages. But, you know, Scripture tells us, like we've been talking about, that in the end, 
it will all culminate in the end in one person. Again, remembering, and you can do this research yourself, that the tribe of Dan migrated and became what we call today the peoples of Germany, the peoples of Denmark. That's where we get that. It's actually, Denmark comes from the phrase, the mark of Dan or Don Mark. That's literally what it means. And as a matter of fact, if you, if you, as you do your historical and archaeological research, uh, the major river that flows through Germany is called what? Do you guys know? You do know. You just probably can't think of it real quick. But it's the Danube River, the Danube River. And they believe that that was another identifying mark that the the migration of the tribe of Dan into the peoples of, of Germany and Denmark, Austria, Switzerland, all came from the tribe of Dan. And these are uh, indications of it as scholars do what they do, right? This is what they say. So Dan the Ger- are the German peoples. And so what this means, as we're following our trail of clues, is that a likely candidate, therefore, would have to be a leader who walks under the symbol of both the eagle and the lion, but also he has to be a German of Danite descent. So he's got to be a leader. He's got to. We've got to be able to identify him as both under the symbol of the of the lion and the eagle, and he's got to be German or of German or 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 Denmark, whatever you call the Denmark people descent. So let's ask this question. Is there anyone that would fit the bill of that right now? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, let's just wait. Let's just play this game. <laughs> so here we go, right? Now, you can choose to forget what I'm about to tell you. It's probably best. <laughs> but don't remember what I'm going to tell you. Uh, but at least listen to this. No. You know, the eagle's wings, they served a purpose. It's to bring the son of the roaring lion. And remember, the sign chosen by Dan was the eagle. Dan's descendants, as we talked about briefly, are of the Germanic people, Germany. The eagle, which is the symbol Dan chose, is the symbol also of the United States of America. And the lion is the spirit of the devil. It's Satan, the roaring lion. But that lion, as we showed you earlier, has made its way in the symbology of of global nation states throughout the ancient world and into the present. The lion has has moved throughout history, and the eagle really has followed it. Now, what Daniel was telling us is that <laughs> is that the eagle and the lion. Uh, are, are closely tied together. And as we were talking about, uh, both of those symbols made their way across the sea, right, in the form of Great Britain, whose symbol is the lion. And we're saying that that symbol of the lion that rests on Great Britain propelled it. As a matter of fact, Great Britain, if you do your historical study, under the symbol of the lion became, to this date, the most powerful empire the world has ever seen, with the exception 
of what came out of it, which is the United States of America. At one time, Great Britain controlled over 22% of the world's landmass. It, it, it was up until that point the largest empire that had ever existed. But out of it, right, as it made its way across the sea came the eagle. It, it arose really riding on the back of the lion. The shield of the United States is the eagle, the shield of Dan is the eagle, the shield of Rome is the eagle. And if you <laughs> and, and then you can also uh, go through all the historical symbols and you'll see that the lion has made its way through all these empires like we were talking about. So what Daniel is possibly telling us is that when you see third Reich. A, the Third Reich, that's right, brother. Yeah. yeah, how could I forget that one? <laughs> that's right. So when you see a time when the eagle's wings have served their purpose, what Daniel is now telling us is that he will come forth under the shield of the eagle. He'll come forth after the wings are plucked. The lion will morph. Now, remember, he has to be from the Germanic people. He has to be a descendant of Dan. Now, let's take a really close look at what I'm about to tell you at this one. The one that I'm talking about is the current leader of the lion and eagle state. They call him Trump. Let's just take a look at what we've seen concerning this man. Number one, against all odds, he's become the leader of the shield of the eagle. It is the symbol of ancient Dan, from which we've already shown you, the rabbis and the early church fathers said the Antichrist would emerge. But what about the, the second part? Is Trump German? Because really what he identifies himself with publicly is with Scotland. His mother's from Scotland. I, the, even the, the, uh, the, the compromised church in our time has pushed that narrative. You know, he comes from Scotland where they had the Great Hebrides Revival. And, you know, he has his mother's Bible. It's Scottish, Scottish, Scottish. But that's not the case if you dig a little deeper with Mr. Trump. Because what you'll find is the family name of Trump was changed. That wasn't their original name. The original name of, of the Trump family was actually uh, the German name, Drumpf. It's spelled D-R-U-M, like in Mary, P, like in Peter, F, like in Frank, Drumpf. Trump's father, his original name was Friedrich, but he changed his name to Frederick. He was born in Germany. German people are the descendants of Dan. He changed his name to Trump to avoid disparaging connections with with the German people. Trump's ancient history, as we now see, or his family history, it connects in ancient history, it connects him to the tribe of Dan because the German people are of Dan. And his father is German. And his father was German all the way, you can go all the way back into centuries and you'll see. Now, so Trump walks under the shield of the eagle. He's the leader of the eagle, which we showed you 
became the symbol of the tribe of Dan. So we've got several things now working in a certain direction here. And what Daniel revealed was from out of the lion and the eagle will come one man. And when you look at the balance of chapter 7, that one man is Antichrist. Now listen, something very interesting as I was digging into this and have been, but in, at, in, in earnest today especially, in 1917, in a tribute to the great lion, Great Britain, America created a poster that showed an eagle crowning the lion with a crown of victory. Very interesting symbology. And the reason that the government created this the, uh, this poster was to symbolize uh, our unity with the lion, Great Britain, as we entered into World War One. In 1917 but the poster is striking because the eagle is 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 off of the lion and it's crowning the lion with a crown of victory very interesting symbology now okay so some of you might be saying okay is that it (laughs) that's that's your whole case no man there's a lot more as I was digging into this I discovered that in 2010 um, Trump decided to create a coat of arms for himself, a coat of arms. You know, that's what they attribute to the royal houses of Europe, right? A coat of arms, the family shield. And 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 what he chose is so very interesting. He, his coat of arms, and you can look all this up, uh, is three lions, three lions. On the top of the three lions is one gloved hand, like the kind of glove they used to wear when they would go into battle. And in that hand, he the hand is thrusting defiantly uh, to the heavens with a javelin in its hand, to the skies. So it's three lions and a hand on top of it thrusting a javelin toward the skies. It really made me think of, of, of Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter before God, right? So listen to this. The code of arms of of Trump, uh, how he acquired that coat of arms, it got him in some trouble, by the way. He he took it, ironically, from a man by the name of, uh, a a man of a royal house of England by the name of Joseph Edward Davies. He happens to be uh, the husband of the three-time married Marjorie Mayweather Post. <laughs> you can't make this up, man. Uh, I encourage you guys to go study this behind me, those of you that are listening. Now, listen, this is where Trump gets his arms from. And this is so, just the, the coincidences are just amazing. So he takes his coat of arms by stealing it from Joseph Edward Davies, who just happens to be the husband of Marjorie Mayweather Post, who just happens to be the socialite that built a place called Mar-a-Lago, the resort Mar-a-Lago, in 1939, which years later, Trump himself would purchase and make his own property. And it was at that time that he stole the coat of arms from Joseph Edward Davies, and he changed one thing on those coat of arms to make it his own. On the coat of arms of Joseph Edward Davies, on the bottom of the coat of arms, I was just describing you with the three lions and the javelin and all that. Uh, 
Sir Davies had written on the bottom of his shield in Latin, integratis, integratis, which is Latin for integrity. When Trump stole this coat of arms from Mr. Davies, he removed the word in Latin for integrity, and he changed it on the bottom to simply say Trump. Mm -hmm. Kind of ironic, don't you think, that you would steal Mm -hmm. another family's coat of arms, remove the word that symbolizes integrity, and put your name on it. Okay. So number one, he's a descendant of the tribe of Dan. We've made a case for that. Number two, he leads under the shield of the eagle, which is what Dan changed his his shield to. Number three, his coat of arms is the symbol of, of the lion, three lions, and a defiance uh, of that hand thrusting a javelin toward the sky, and he removes the word integrity from it and replaces it with his own. Let's look a little closer. What else? What else is there? Well, don't forget, in May of 2018, he moves the embassy of the United States to the capital city of Israel and proclaims it the eternal capital, Jerusalem. Something that Daniel goes on to reveal that the Antichrist will be involved in, in in planting his tabernacle in the very capital city of ancient Israel. That's what it says in, in the book of Daniel. And then on August 21st, 2019, he proclaims himself, and many of you saw this, he called himself the chosen one. And while he called himself the chosen one, if you remember, he was talking about China and trade deals and all that, and he says, and then he looked up to the sky. You can Google this. Go on YouTube. Trump calls himself the chosen one. And look what he does. It's almost as some some sort of weird thing happened to him. He pauses, he looks to the sky, and out of his mouth, the leader of the free world says, I'm the chosen one. And then later that day, he retreats an article that was written in the Washington Post. And in that article, the article uh, and the man who wrote it, uh, speaking of Israel and how they view Trump, mentioned in the article that that many in Jerusalem would consider him almost like the king of Israel and the second coming of God. I would pretty much leave that alone if you're a normal human being, right? Like these people are nuts. But what does he do? He takes that article, he thanks the journalist who wrote it, and retweets the part that calls himself the king of Israel and the second coming of God. Who does that? (laughs) On December 21st, again, as we've talked about 2020, a strange event took place. Because we're closing out 2020. A lot of stuff's happening. Like we talked about Saturn, which represents Satan, Satan's planet, Saturnus, uh, and Jupiter, the king planet. There was a great conjunction in the sky, for those of you who remember, just a couple days ago. And where the the satanic planet and the king planet conjoined was in the constellation of Capricornus, which is the goat man, man and fish. And it happened on the winter solstice as we're closing out 2020, right? Which is just happens to be 
the the shortest day and the longest night, the winter solstice. So what we had in an in a most unusual event that hasn't occurred for over eight centuries as we close out 2020, we have the king planet conjoining with the planet that represents the devil in the house of the goat man on the winter solstice, which is the shortest day and the longest night. Is it possible that what's, something's being announced? Remember what Jesus told us. There would also be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Is the shortest day representing and announcing to us as we're closing out 2020 that the light is dissipating quickly and we're, we're about to enter in to the longest night and the heavens themselves are announcing that that one that has long been looked for and long been attempted to be brought about, the son of perdition, the son of the devil himself, is being announced as we're closing out 2020. He's just in the wings. That was December 21st. Two days later, December 23rd, we talked about it yesterday, that great star falls from heaven into the land of the dragon. That's where it was. You can go on YouTube, check it out. Uh, massive, you know, star falls from heaven, meteor falls from heaven, whatever you want to describe it. It was massive, and it fell in the land of the dragon. It fell in China two days after that great celestial event of December 21st. And then two days later, we talked about it yesterday, Trump tweets a picture of himself, like Brother Fernando described it yesterday so well, walking proudly and casting a shadow on a wall of the largest roaring lion, which is completely out of proportion to the to the picture. It's him walking, but the size of the lion is massive. Isn't that right, Brother Fernando? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. This is yeah, that's what he he he, he did. On what is traditionally called the Lord's birthday, he 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 tweets on official presidential Twitter account a picture of himself walking and casting a shadow of the roaring lion. Now, there's a whole bunch more we could get into, but, but let me close with it. When Joshua came into the promised land with the 12 tribes of Israel, he gave out the portions of the land of the promised land to the 12 tribes. When it came to the tribe of Dan, he gave Dan the uttermost northern part of Israel. So if you look at a map of Israel, you have you have the south at the bottom and you have the north at the top, of course. Jerusalem's toward the south. But Dan's territory was about as far away as you can get from Jerusalem. It's in the uttermost northern part of the land of Israel. And it's in the shadow of Mount Hermon. And those of you who know the lore of Genesis chapter 6, it was from there that the wicked angels came down into the earth from Mount Hermon, according to the book of Enoch as well, that they came and entered the world and corrupted the world that then was, bringing about the flood. But this is the territory that was given to Dan. And this blew me away. Because if everything I haven't been sharing with you at this point hasn't at least piqued your interest or made you go, hmm, this really solidified it for me. Because it was on June the 16th, 
2019 in the same exact territory that Joshua gave to the tribe of Dan, the Israeli government, we call it today the Golan Heights, they established a new territory. And you know what they called it? They called it Trump Heights. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you guys remember? Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that that has always bugged me. And, and as I studied this out, I went, oh, my goodness. These things have been being shown to us all along, quite possibly. But the irony, based on what we've been talking about up to this point, that the territory bequeathed to him by the by the government of Israel from Jerusalem is in the same territory that was bequeathed to the tribe of Dan, which he is a descendant of, and they call it Trump Heights. And it's in the shadow of Mount Hermon. All right. And, and the, Go and, ahead, brother. And this is this is in the Bible, right? You, you study the history of Dan, yeah. Um, and where they chose to uh, settle and and have their lot, um, which is outside the boundary, really of 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 where uh, you know the Lord intended it to be, um, up the north. Uh, up, up north of Israel, uh, towards the Golden Heights. Yeah. Um, so this is this is all something that's in scripture that you need the listener needs to study, um, and, and and that's why they're not mentioned uh, in scripture in the Book of Revelations. Uh, it's one of the twelve thousand. Um, you know, they don't have twelve thousand for their tribe mentioned uh, right. in the Book of Revelation. So. <clears throat> It's it's a very interesting study, you know, that you really really have to take your time to study and trace the history of this particular tribe and who they are today. Um, and again, that's something that the listener has to really dig into, and it's quite fascinating. <laughs> You're right, brother. So, you know, we're we're living like we said in very extraordinary times, and you know what I've just been sharing. Uh, it really is probably better if you just forget like you never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever lies ahead, uh, we're going to know even more clearly in just a few days as we head into the January 6th electoral solidification of the upcoming administration. And then the January 20th swearing in, we're headed in just a few days to that incredible confrontation. Um, so the way I look at it is, number one, he's either like Belshazzar and he's going to fade away at the end of his four years, or he's something far more unthinkable and quite possible in this little trail we took today just putting it out there that he's something that the Bible called the great deception, that if possible, it would deceive the very elect. And what we've witnessed over the last four years and the whole, you know, wrap yourself in the MAGA hat and, the, you know, the single name, Jesus said one will come in his own name, uh, the whole church, you know, identifying itself with him, embracing him, 
celebrating him. And yet there was something that always doesn't fit right with the true child of God. This world is not our home, and no man is our leader but Jesus Christ. We do honor and reverence to the uh, the established authorities as it pertains to what God commanded us to obey. But this is something far more and more interesting to take a look at. This is something quite possibly that we're about to see that is so beyond what we can really fully appreciate at this moment. Remember, he has the assistance of the bear and the assistance that is the devil of the leopard with the four wings and the four heads. Go back and listen to the yesterday's podcast. And then there's a pause and then comes the full manifestation of that one that rises up and takes full control of everything. We are living in extraordinary times, and and like we just said, something far more incredible is quite possibly just ahead of us. Either way, what we really know is our Lord is soon to return. And so you need to keep watching as I, as I do and my brothers do. But above, above all, keep looking up like Brother Jeremy always tells us. But my prayer, and I pray that yours is, is that the Lord returns quickly. And I know that he is. Yes. And so we've put something out to you today. <laughs> and uh, if anything, uh, we're not being political. We're not doing any of that. We're just following scenarios, possibilities. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, so don't get all mad. <laughs> what I am saying, though, is we need to pay attention. So keep watching. And uh, we'll we'll see you here again tomorrow as as we go forward and close out 2020. 2021 is gonna gonna be one interesting year. So fasten your seatbelt. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Brother Fernando, anything to say, Brother Jeremy? No, oh, yeah, it's it, <laughs> um, it's it's all by design, right? Um, yes. This 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 particular president, you know, and and I and I've prayed for him. Um, yeah. In the eyes of many people, uh, in the eyes of Christians, he's done great things. And you know, one of them was was uh, given the the making Jerusalem the capital of Israel once again, which uh, hadn't been seen in some two thousand years. And uh, everybody lauded that, everybody applauded that, everybody was, you know, excited that the nation of Israel had its capital again. But if we read scripture, um, and and we we were telling the people that not so fast, <laughs> it's not a get get excited so fast over the move of the uh, uh, of of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, making Jerusalem the eternal capital of yeah. Israel once again we begin to tell the people what this what this has done it has laid the the framework for the antichrist to come to the scene right so yeah. <laughs> this is what we're talking about right we we know scripture talks about this 
we know that uh, scripture talks about the complete restoration of Israel, the nation, and its capital. Um, but when these things take place, the end is coming. And yes. if the end is coming, then we know that when they say peace, 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 sudden destruction comes, the word of God says. And that's exactly what we saw after uh, Jerusalem became the eternal capital of Israel once again, as the president said, all hell broke loose. <laughs> so you you come to your own conclusions, but we're just going off what scripture says. Right? It is exciting times for the believer. It is yeah. it is uh, uh, exciting times, right? We are to lift up our heads for our redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming. It is exciting times, but at the same time, we must prepare ourselves, embrace ourselves for what's coming and what's ahead. So I'm excited. Uh, an incredible study in the Word of God uh, and worth looking into. You know, and, and and don't take it just for face value, just because we said it. Do your research. Right. Yeah. right? What we're yeah. talking about is not, it's in plain sight. It's not something that is hidden. That's one thing we have to understand, that what is taking place in the world is no longer being hid from us or, 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 or our conversations done in the shadows. When you turn on your television and you look at the news, they are telling you exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. They're no longer hiding it from us, like like we like you said, brother Marty. This is this is something that has been in the works for thousands of years. Yes, thousands of years, and they're so close to finally tightening tightening up the bolts, right, and the screws to to create this new world order, as uh, George Bush Senior termed it. Right. So, absolutely, we're we're there. Wow. Amen. What a, I, I would agree this was a tremendous uh, study. And I, and I believe we have done no harm, no violence to the word of God. Using scripture and history, uh, I think it's, it is something to consider. Again, as we posed the question at the beginning, is America found in the word of God? <laughs> I think we're seeing the parallels and they are striking. Yeah. We want to encourage you. We want to encourage you, as my brothers have said, do your research, study, prayfully pray about these things, and the Lord will show you accordingly. We pray that you've enjoyed and you've been enriched today with this Bible study, and I pray that you join us back tomorrow as we continue in our search and our journey, as we continue to teach on what's, rev what's relevant, what's taking place in this hour. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and as always, keep looking up.